are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White from Cooler Partners. Joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing? I am doing well, Jeff, and you? I'm doing really well, too. It's good to be with you. Uh, the um, I think we we're we're going to have to get some uh, listener feedback on our opening banter because I find sometimes we're hopelessly Canadian and it's all, all we about want to the talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and given that we usually record these and release them later, it's it's no longer relevant, or uh, it could be worse. Well, it's kind of relevant because the weather's always horrible. Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't have weather to talk about, and nobody else uh, has suggested anything better. Um, <laughs> so without further ado, I, I, let's introduce today's guest. I, I'm really, I think today's conversation is going to help uh, dive into um, an area that, look, every modern marketer uh, has to uh, head down the path of a website redesign at some point, and um, many feel probably midway through the process that it could be career ending. Uh, so I hope that, that today's guest helps shed some light on it from uh, um, very much the client side of the house and takes uh, Jeff and I's agency bias completely off the table uh, and, uh, and, and give the, our listeners something to think about. So Jeff, without further ado. Sure. So today, Joining us from uh, Colorado, all the way from Colorado, is Christina Liebman. She's the Director of Global Marketing and Digital Strategy with Advanced Energy Industries, a manufacturer of uh, power supplies and uh, um, plasma. It was very interesting. I was, I was reviewing the site and everything looked, uh, you know. That's Jeff's code for Christina. Please tell us what it is that you do when you introduce yourself, yes, please. Yeah. Welcome to uh, the Cooler Ring, Christina. Hi, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, Advanced Energy. Um, basically, um, it is a power um, a power conversion company. We do offer multiple high and low voltage power supplies, and then we also uh, design components that we actually take the power off the grid, package it up into various components, and then sell those to um, OEM providers that then incorporate those into the designs that that they're using. So it's it's highly technical. It's yeah, it's a lot of a lot of power in any way that you kind of want it. So many possible taglines. Yes. So I um, I run the global marketing team here for the for the company. Very cool. And and you recently uh, went through a website redesign. Uh, not your first, by the sounds of things. Either. No, 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 definitely not my first. So we. Um, yeah, so we, I, I've been with the company almost two years. And when I started, one of the key initiatives that they had for me was to, um, to redesign the website. The site that we had previously had was about 15 years old, and it was built on a homegrown um, platform. So it needed a lot of updating. We also needed to kind of um, take a look at the, at the brand. The company had evolved over the last 15 years. So to figure out you know, what that story is and how we easily communicate these products to our customers and um, um, identify kind of the value that they can bring in, in a web environment. So sort of digitize um, the customer experience from soup to nuts. Wow, 15 years with a single platform. I think yes. that's maybe <laughs> one of the longest I've ever seen. It was definitely, it was definitely dated. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, it's always a, you know, it's a question that you get uh, often too, of course, is how long should I expect this website redesign to last? Which, of course, 
Um, uh, Not 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah, that's really the only answer you can get to that. I think. <laughs> well, I think um, definitely longer than you, than you anticipate it. It's going to last. Um, you always run into a number of roadblocks um, for for this particular project. You know, we were doing a lot of change management internally because we were trying to to transform the way we spoke about our products, the way we represented our products, um, and kind of how we wanted to navigate that buyer's journey throughout the website. So. Um, it definitely, it definitely was a project, if you will. Um, I think websites just in general, they need to evolve, they need to grow, they need to transform in order to meet, you know, that end user's, um, expectation. So you never, you definitely are never, you're, you're, de you're definitely never, you know, one and done once you launch a website. So you want to constantly analyze that the user behavior and understand the content that is the most sticky that people are clicking on and kind of what they're, what the call to action, what call to actions are working the best and, and kind of how you want to, to manage conversions throughout the site and continuously um, upgrade um, your information to support kind of the way that the users are interacting with your content. Yeah, I don't want to get too far from something you just said um, around uh, the change management involved in 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 creating the new site, um, because it just occurred to me when you said that 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 sometimes maybe the website isn't the biggest. Um, the, the website's almost in some way just the most visible manifestation of a whole host of other changes that are happening, many of which aren't particularly or not at least exclusively related to marketing and sales uh, so that so basically you know as you talk about the the, the change management components of, a, of the website project you know stretching it out making it longer making it more arduous to deal with I guess, let's unpack that a little bit because I, I think I think a lot of companies find themselves in that position where the website project is really just a proxy for something much larger that's going on. Sure, sure. Consistency is key. So you you fundamentally need a website strategy. Like, what is that site you know trying to actually do for you? Is it just to brand your company? Are you trying to generate revenue on your products? Are you trying to educate people on your products? Um, this site in particular was. Um, was a little bit challenging because we have a global audience. So we wanted to make sure that the messaging we were saying to our English speaking customers resonated with what we were putting up there for our, our Asia, our Asia customers. And that it all made, it all made sense regardless of how you actually consumed the content. Um, and then I think the feedback is, is generally important. So you want to test, you want to measure, you want to learn, you want to see kind of what's working. Cause you don't, you don't know what you, what you don't know. So, you know, if you design a wireframe that you think is, you know, the end all be all, and it's going to increase conversions in it, and it flops dramatically, you know, if it flops dramatically, then you want to kind of figure out why aren't people actually engaging in the content the way that I think that they're going to. Um, and then, you know, test, you know, different calls to actions, different buttons, different colors, different types of images, just to make sure that you're actually, um, that you're actually, um, transforming the site the way that you want and, and making it better. So when you were working through uh, advancedenergy.com and bringing through this this latest iteration, um, I guess, how, how did you incorporate that um, that CRO process into the redesign process? Was there a, uh, was, was there a series of, 
um, uh, I, I guess it was the was the the testing conducted uh, more on the uh, on front end uh, at the mock-up stage, or has it been something where we've been um, iterating the site on a uh, on a more ongoing basis from a from let's say a more of a minimum viable viable product type of launch? Uh, how, how have you approached that? I guess to uh, to, to conduct the testing that you're speaking of? Sure. So I think well, where we started was we actually started at the persona level and we identified key personas that actually would come to the site and what they were looking for and how their buying process differed. And then we had to build a navigation or an information, information architecture that actually served up the products that we, um, that we offered, but in a simplistic format. So they were easy to find, easy to navigate and um, provided the information that the manufacturing audience was looking for. We also incorporated a number of tools where they could compare um, product to product, or they were able to um, justify an ROI on um, on spend, because that that actually helped with the decision making process. Um, we met with product marketing, we met with customers, we met with leadership, we met we we gathered all this buy in um, at the get go, and then kind of took that and internalized all that and came out with, okay, these are our recommendations. Here's how we think we need to change the navigation. Here's how we think people are gonna search for these products. And then did some um, usability testing um, just to make sure that our assumptions were in fact correct. So, um, you know, we built out a, uh, you know, a dummy navigation and asked people to do a series of, of, of tasks in the website. And we wanted to understand where they got lost, where they, they faltered and, and how they actually, you know, engaged in through it, or how they actually moved deeper throughout the site. So that was, um, that was kind of the, the initial phase. And then once we, um, once we got there, we, um, we worked through the, um, the, um, navig, I mean, the navigation, the wireframes, just to make sure that the design was what we thought it, what we, we thought it should be. And then layered everything on top of analytics so that, um, you know, we could test, we could learn, we could see what was happening on the back end and refine as we, um, as we moved forward. Now, where you were coming from an existing site, it was obviously, you know, given the age of it, it probably wouldn't have had the, you know, necessarily the same amount of flexibility to try these things out or to kind of see how conversions were happening or things like that. How were like, what were you basing your decisions on in terms of how you're structuring the content? Was it entirely around the conversations with product owners and, and customers, or was there any data you were able to pull from the old website to bring into play? Uh, yeah, so we definitely leveraged data from the old website. And one of my biggest recommendations was to not skip on a, a content management system. Um, so, you know, that's very important because that allows you to scale, that allows you to add, um, Add, add more um, geographical sites, if you will. It allows you to easily add pages. It allows you to have site administrators that can um, manage the content without having to be HTML or HTML experts, if you will. So, so that was a, the big, a big key driver for for the site. Was the uh, CMS pro choosing process arduous for you, or or did you work with an agency partner? Um, I well. I've done <laughs> so many of these sites. I'm quite familiar with the, the platforms. I didn't want, this company isn't 
huge by any means. So they didn't need, they didn't need to be sold kind of the, the best. So we kind of migrated or we kind of recommended sort of a, um, a mid tier approach that would actually solve all of our problems without, without having too much of a spend. And then it was important that the site um, integrated into our marketing automation platform too, um, so that we could actually manage conversions across the site and and track user behavior and lead scoring models. I think um, I think one of the biggest questions that I get that, frankly, if I'm being really really honest, uh, I find tough to to answer um, because I. It's one of those things that uh, it's just been a, a while, I guess, since I've experienced it from the client side, and, and therefore my um, I think my my point of view on it is skewed. Uh, and that's the question of how long does it take, or how much client side resources should be being allocated uh, to a redesign initiative when people are heading down this path. What should they have it in mind? Like this is going to be one person's job fifty uh, percent of the time for six months. This is going to be a committee of two hundred uh, required for the next uh, thirty years. Uh, maybe it might feel that way. Um, I guess talk to me about that. What's the um, what's the the level of client side commitment that you experienced uh, uh, in, in this redesign that may speak, I guess, in some way to the balance of um, of uh, tactical work between uh, yourselves and and your agency partner? Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, please. Um, so that's an interesting question. I think it depends on the scope and the scale of the site and what you're trying to do um, with this. It, with this site, as I mentioned, you know, there, there was change management internally that had to happen. So we had to actually work with product marketing to make the product marketing pages more conversational as opposed to like brochureware. So, so there was some, there was some give and take on that because they wanted all the specs on there, which was great. But we also wanted to kind of take that story up a level and explain, you know, what these products were and how they were going to benefit that end customer. So there was some, back and forth on the on the content writing process that took a little bit longer than um, I originally anticipated. The um, the scope that we had for, for this particular site was about six to nine months. And it ended up taking closer to a year just because we decided to, to make some enhancements, to add some additional functionality and tools. And the other piece that we, um, that we invested in was we created digitized renderings of all of our um, products. So that took that took a while because it's, you know, it, it involved getting the CAD files, making sure that the digital prototype matched the actual product and then creating the different um, the different um, views of that particular product that could be on the on the pages. So so that that took a little bit longer, but I was much more happy with the end result having invested in, in that um, in that project. Yeah, I think that's a common um, uh, scenario. You know, um, it takes a little longer than mm-hmm. people would hope, and they end up uh, probably requiring some additional content they didn't think they would need to recreate. Or, or yeah, and so my as far as your resource question, you know, I had a dedicated person um, that worked on the content, um, and she's she's awesome, and she built the pages. We also had an agency partner that created kind of the high level. Um, you know, wireframes and site design. And then we we did actually, um, they handed the development off to another agency that built the back end into the CMS so that we actually can now take the pages and, and work through the CMS the way we 
we intended as opposed to having to have a development resource. Understood. Understood. And um, it's funny. I always, uh, I'm sure the, the person uh, writing the content would uh, would agree with this, <laughs> this, this statement. I always say that, that, that everybody underestimates how much time it's going to take to write content except the person that's actually responsible for doing so. Oh, most definitely. Yes. And, and it was, it was interesting because, you know, the content that we show on mobile isn't, isn't, you know, what we always show on the live site. So we had to kind of take that into consideration as well. You know, our our mobile traffic has gone up exponentially um, just because we did spend the time to optimize for mobile. And I think it makes it a lot easier for people to consume that content. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's KULAPartners.com slash the cooler ring. I think it's interesting because, you know, it, it was only a few years ago that we were having to justify spending the additional time to optimize a site responsibly uh-huh. or for mobile devices or what have you. And now, especially Google has kind of forced everybody's hand a little bit here, but uh, now it's just a given that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that mobile has a place to play in large B2B sales context and that it is, uh, you know, it's probably providing at least a quarter, if not more, of the total traffic to many, many sites, if not all sites at this point. Agreed. And of course, because of, um, uh, because of that dynamic, um, you have uh, uh, sites that are 15 years old to your previous, uh, your previous site, um, that certainly wouldn't have been mobile optimized. It's one of the, uh, I think, the bigger changes that they uh, you see in the analytics almost right out of the gate with mm-hmm. the redesign and that kind of a scenario. Uh, it's just so obvious that how people are, are are experiencing it via mobile when they weren't before. Yeah, your site as well is uh, you um, advanced energy is in many countries and you're providing content in I, I think about half dozen yes. languages, yes. maybe more. Um, what uh, what were some of your thoughts going into that? With, um, just knowing about cultural issues and uh, you know server issues with uh, China and and all of those different sorts of things. What were you what were you thinking of in terms of the international strategy as you approached that part of the site? Yeah, so the international strategy was was interesting because I hadn't done a full fledged international site um, in my previous life. Um, so so that was an interesting an interesting piece, but we, we definitely worked with our partners in the various countries to make sure that the content was resonating as it should and and kind of mocked up. We haven't we haven't fully translated this site. That's our project for next year. So what we have out there is kind of um, uh, remains of our older site that is that is translated, but it's not um, it's not the actual English site that we've translated verbatim. That's that's next year's project. But, um, you know, as, as we take as we take English and translate it into German, there's definitely changes that have have to happen with the navigation and the spacing because the the words are a lot longer. So we have to kind of take that into consideration. So we're working through some um, some tools that are going to help us manage that more effectively um, next year. We hope. Um, we also um, we also looked at the server um, capability and and the caching. Um, globally, just to make sure that you know, if you are in China and you're hitting our site, you're, you're you know, you're hitting that that CDN that's going to have most relevant content to you, so you're not having to ping back to the US every time you're trying to download a data sheet. If right. You will. And are are you uh, you're not doing e-commerce presently with the site? No, no, not yet. That that 
they keep talking about that. <laughs> um, right now, I think the next priority is um, is to translate it um, into kind of the key the key markets that we serve, and then address the um, e-commerce platform. I think um, in order for us to do e-commerce right, we have to get um, we have to align our, our internal systems just to make sure that 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 works. Um, that, that works properly. So that's in the works. I think, um, I think we might be probably a year out from an e-commerce strategy though. I think it's a, it's a challenge that a lot of people have as they move to a multilingual multinational sites. Uh, instinctively, they know that there's a inherent benefit obviously in communicating with people and their, in their language and not forcing them to do, um, business in, in, uh, in English. Um, uh, you know, the justification in the other way is often, oh, well, uh, English is the international language of business, and therefore we're going to have an English website. But uh, I think um, most people uh, understand that there's a there's a benefit to be had there, but at the same time, the, the care and feeding of that is not to be underestimated. It's one thing to get the site translated once. It's quite another to operationalize and set up the framework so that as site changes happen on an ongoing weekly, monthly basis, quarterly basis, whatever it is, in a modern web environment, that um, that, that translation happens in a way that is not just simply a Google Translate literal translate tool, but rather something that is uh, more contextual and has, frankly, a human set of eyes on it. So and search optimized. Yeah. 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 It's a... And, and uh, you know, the, it's not like it's uh, a little bit harder to do six languages versus four. It's like, no, it might be exponentially more difficult. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. But, uh, I, I haven't found an awful lot of, um, uh, I've, I've found that that's one area where I think people lose their investment enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> They they know that there's a there's a win there, but uh, they may not necessarily want to pay. Sure. Get there. Um, interesting. I'm curious what um what would you say is the biggest pitfall that you experienced in this website redesign? Something that happened along the way that was maybe not quite intended or, or didn't play out as you saw uh, at the start. Oh gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, there was definitely um, definitely a number of pitfalls along the way. I think um, the development time took a lot longer than I originally anticipated um, it taking. Um, so so that was a pitfall. Um, I think um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, you know, um, working I think closely with with our product marketing team to kind of. Um, revamp their content. Um, it just took some education. It wasn't really a, um, you know, a pitfall, if you will, but it took some kind of getting them to, to see that the content was, was a bit different or, or needed to be written a, a little bit different to kind of um, make it a little bit more conversational. So, so that was, was definitely um, an education piece, as I alluded to before, just to, to try to, you know, explain to them, you know, how they could how they could write content, you know, to transform it from from one way to the next way. Um, we um, also in, created a number of interactive components in this site. So there's video, there's tools, um, and a lot of the tools just kind of aligning on on the back end, kind of you know how that data needs to be served up. It requires you to kind of like 
think like, okay, if I select, you know, A, B, and C, then these are the products that are going to rise to the top. So it's it's thinking through that logic to make sure that you develop the tool in a way that's going to um, generate the right results for that end user. Yeah, I, I can uh, I can identify with that challenge. I find that the uh, uh, having the idea of building an interactive asset like that is often the mm-hmm. easy part. Thinking through how that will actually function can be the challenging uh, side of it. Uh, but Especially how it integrates with teams and sales. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. But of course, usually it's worth it at the end. I found that these types of assets tend to convert at, uh, at, at more than double um, that of static, uh, kind of more content-driven conversion assets. Has that been uh, your experience? They do. They do. Um, They definitely convert faster or not faster. They definitely convert more, I would say. And then, um, you know, once we build it, we're like, oh God, added this functionality or this feature. So with every tool we build, we have kind of that list of, okay, here's, here's version 2.0 and here's how we're going to make it better. And this is how we're going to get Because sometimes you don't, you don't really know what you want until you start interacting with it. And then you decide, okay, wouldn't it be great if it served up this content or if it sent an email to, you know, Mr. Salesperson that said this person searched on, you know, these five products, give them a call to follow up. So, so we've definitely got a, a short list of kind of enhancements to the, the many tools that we've, we've created on how we're going to improve them going forward. I think that's nicely instructional as well to people that will just be mindful of the fact that you're not going to know everything that you need to put into one of those. No. Uh, uh, no. assets at the start so kind of uh, forge ahead and get version <laughs> one out there and see how people interact with it and use it and then you'll figure out how to improve it after yeah much to the chagrin of the development team sure no and, and the development team we work with was great i mean they had ideas on how to kind of improve things on um, the ui side or on the mobile side or you know kind of evolve the tools or the ideas that we had so so that was great sometimes you know you just got to bounce ideas off people and then get them engaged and try to explain what you're trying to what you're trying to do and then and they kind of get on board and offer some suggestions on how to make it better uh, Christina this has been a, a fantastic conversation I, I uh, I'm I was one thing that kind of struck me when you talked about how you went about building the site that I think uh, I just wanted to ask a bit of a parting question on was uh, you you noticed noted that you, you had uh, worked with one firm around the design and um, and strategy for the for for the initiative and then another on the development. I think that's actually a common approach. Um, uh, were, were there any problems with uh, the translation from one to the other, or uh, did you feel that you were getting um, uh, everybody was uh, sticking to their knitting, so to speak, and doing what they were good at? Or did you feel like there was uh, something lost in the translation between working with two two partners? Oh, there was a lot lost in the translation. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically we had hired one firm to actually do the front end and the back end. And then midway through the process, that firm was acquired by another company. And so they actually recommended that we outsource the development to another agency that they found um, that was, you know, was completely savvy in the CMS platform that we chose. But what we ended up doing was, or what we ended up seeing was that the handoff wasn't as seamless as we thought it was. And then there was constant 
we experienced being a, experienced a lot of finger pointing where oh they didn't do that they didn't do that that wasn't my job that's not my responsibility that was the these so it was back and forth when we were in the middle now i have done these types of projects where it's worked better this one was a little bit more painful i think than it needed to be and i think that because the two agencies hadn't worked together in the past um that's where we ran into a lot of um a lot of disagreements or a lot of finger pointing, if you will. Um, you know, normally a developer will sit down with the UI designer to kind of understand how they want that flow to actually happen so that the developer understands how to how to actually build the backend environment to make it so. And that didn't happen here. So we would see a lot of um, a lot of development work where we would say, okay, that, that's not really how we want this to look. And then it was, oh, well, we're going to have to go back and change it. And we're going to have to charge you guys for that. So, so there was a lot of um, conversations, if you will, um, to that end, because I wasn't really happy with, with the kind of the, um, the handoff and the management, because there wasn't kind of that central person that represented both parties on either side. Yeah, it's, it sounds like that was a bit of a product of a pretty unique uh, situation with that acquisition. And yeah, it was, and it wasn't it wasn't the best. But um, you know, thankfully, I've I've done enough of these that I kind of knew how to kind of manage it. But it definitely could have it could have been done done better. Now I think um, you know we're happy with the end result, but I can't say it it happened without some pain. <laughs> yeah, there's usually some blood and sweat yes. along the way, but. Well, Christina, thank you so much for for, for shedding some uh, some some uh, insight into this process. I think that uh, for a lot of listeners um, who may be just staring down the barrel of a of a website redesign, I think you've really helped uh, uh, shine a light around a few of those dark corners and, uh, and and illuminate where they may want to keep their eyes open uh, in order to make uh, hopefully the process be a little smoother for them. So, sure, no, I'm happy to. That's fantastic. Thanks so much. It's been great chatting. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.